Fanfic Writers Craft is a podcast that discusses all things fanfiction with a focus on the art and science of writing for the enjoyment of fan communities. My name is Joe, aka Pebbly Sound, and I'll be your host for the next hour or so. My co-host, Lani, writes online under the name Copper Dust. You'll meet her shortly. In this episode, we talk about humour in fanfiction, following a Tumblr anon which we received asking how to write comedy without being cringy. Not just for crack fix, but also how to write something that's supposed to be funny, and that also has a plot. As such, we dive into the question of what a crack fic even is, as well as the cultural specificities that are inherent to comedy and make it one of the hardest genres to write. We also talk about the merits of cringe, and go on a pretty long tangent about Tumblr's latest obsession, Goncharov, 1973. We hope you enjoyed this episode, but for now, buckle up, get yourself a nice cup of tea, and welcome to the Fanfic Writer's Craft. Hello and welcome to the Fanfic Writers Craft. This is Joe. I hope you're all doing well. This episode will be out early December, so I hope you're all enjoying preparing for the upcoming uh, holiday season. How are you, Lani? What's been up? I am at this point counting down the days until winter break. Uh, 20 work days remaining until I get my winter break. Um, happy Thanksgiving to Americans. Oh, yes. Um, for me, it was a month ago. For you, it was never. Um, so anyways, the, the episode this week is going to be a little bit lighter than last week, which was war. Well, not last week for you as a listener, but last time that we recorded together. Yeah, we're going to talk about humor in fun fiction. Um, so we are, we ha- received an ask uh, from a lovely listener who asked us to kind of talk about humor and, you know, like the relationship between humor and crack fix and like how to build um, humor in a, in fan fiction in particular. So very excited to talk about this. Although I think we were discussing before the podcast, we both have not really that much, um, experience doing it, but we're going to try to help at least. So Lani, do you have any opening, uh, thoughts to bring us in this discussion? Yeah. I mean, I, first I, I wanted to thank everybody who sends an ask and, you know, says we're interested in hearing about this topic because it's like really useful to us. We did actually plan on doing an episode about humor anyway, but we've pushed it up to satisfy Mr. or Miss Anon. We, I guess, are maybe not the most obvious choices to talk about humor because neither of us really usually do like comedy as our main genres. But I think um, I'm actually working on something that is a kind of a romantic comedy which is sort of my first foray into the genre, but it hasn't been published yet. And I think we, we appreciate humor and, and sometimes we include it, even if it's not necessarily like the central focus of our stories. But the first thing I would say is that if you're saying, how do I do X, Y, Z without cringe, you need to not write at all because like, there's no way of like being in a writer and an artist and like exposing yourself and putting your work out there and say, how can I, how can I prevent myself from ever being like cringy and embarrassing? That's not possible. Like if you're going to be an artist and like make something, you are sometimes going to make stuff that is cringy and like, you're just going to have to get over that. So that's the first thing that I would say. Would you agree? I don't know if it's automatically cringy, but definitely like you're putting something out there that is going to be looked at by other people. And I think we'll get into this later, but I think 
you know, humor specifically is hard to write because it's very dependent on who you are and also on your culture. And I think, you know, those things are very, are very distinct and are, and can make your sense of humor, your own personal sense of humor different from somebody else. So something that like person eight may find cringy will be liked by someone else, etc. So I think, you know, it's hard to say something is or isn't cringy for everybody. It might be cringy for some people and some people might like it. Um, so I think that's also something that you need to be aware of. Yeah, I definitely, humor is definitely cultural. And I would say the other thing it is, is it's very much like relationship based. So there has to be a kind of relationship of trust established between the person who's being funny and the audience. And that's why, like, if you go to a comedy show, like, good comedians don't just, like, walk on stage and start telling jokes right away unless they're, like, incredibly famous, like, you know, Sarah Silverman or someone where, like, they know they're coming out to an audience of people who are already their fans. Um, Your typical comedian will come out and start, like, directly interacting with the audience and kind of building rapport with the audience before they start making jokes because you kind of need a little bit of confidence in your relationship to the one who's being funny before you can find stuff funny together and like the opposite of that is like when someone is your best friend you can like laugh at stuff with them that is like really not all that funny at all but Mm -hmm. somehow when you're with your best friend like it is funny yeah I definitely agree um so in terms of fan fiction I think one of the first things that we need to discuss um because it's such a prominent topic and especially when it turn when it um has to do with humor is the concept of crackfic so um Lani what's your definition of a crackfic and what do you think about them so I actually looked this up in preparation just to make sure that my impressions were pretty much correct and um I'm pleased to share that they are so crack Fic is a kind of within the comedy genre. It's like a subgenre that's unique to fan fiction and not published fiction, mostly because like in published fiction, your work has to meet a certain barrier of, you know, a certain amount of professionalism in order to be published at all. Whereas in fan fiction, like anyone can publish anything. So the idea of a crack fic is that the premise or the concept is so fundamentally ridiculous that it goes beyond the premise of your usual comedy, which maybe has an element of ridiculousness or has something that's reasonable, but then taken to an extreme. Mm-hmm. Whereas with a crack fic, the premise is like incredibly fundamentally ridiculous and absurd given the, the limits of canon. And often like the word crack is the idea is that you would have to be on crack to have come up with it. And so crack fics can vary in concept, but I'll, I'll give you an example of like the difference between like an unusual premise or AU versus like a crack fic premise. So like doing a rare pairing between two characters who seem to have no chemistry or didn't even know each other in canon, that's just like a rare pair. Mm -hmm. A crack fic is like shipping Harry with his broom. (laughs) You know, it's (laughs) like, it's like, or like shipping Hagrid with Cookie Monster, Mm -hmm. you know, like it's, it's something so fundamentally ridiculous that I think it's in a league of its own outside of, you know, just doing something that would be unusual given canon. And it's also different from a typical AU, which is obviously outside the limits of canon, but can be taken seriously on its own terms, whereas Krakvik can never be taken seriously and it's never meant to be taken seriously. I would right. say the other thing is that a typical comedy can go on for however long it needs to. So if it's like The Office, it can go on for, I don't know, eight seasons or mm-hmm. however long they lasted. 
but like a crack fic because it's mainly funny because of the ridiculous premise. It's basically like one joke. So it can only last for so long and they typically need to be short and sweet because the joke will wear out its welcome if you keep kind of repeating it. Yeah, I think so. I let you kind of uh, do that definition because I've never really, well, I get a sense of what a crack fic is, but I've never really had like a definition for it, if that makes sense. Because I don't know, I just tend to not read them. I just tend to not really, it's not a genre that kind of like attracts me for some reason. Um, so it's not really something that I read. And so I'm like, I can kind of define it in my hand, but not really. And and it's funny to me that like crack fics are called that because it, you might probably no one else knows this, but crack is an Irish word that we use in Ireland in like the vernacular, the everyday vernacular uh, that means fun. So it also kind of doubles as like fun fic to me. <laughs> um, but yeah, and I think, you know, once one thing that I just thought of just listening to you is if I don't know if anyone listening has followed the recent uh, Goncharov um, sort of saga on Tumblr. Uh, if no one has, if you if you've not heard from this, um, it's a fake movie from Martin Scorsese that Tumblr just has created of out of nowhere and made memes and fix and stuff. And it's kind of like okay. There's a lot of fics that have been written about this now, and I wonder would those be crack fics per this definition? Because it is silly in the way that you know it, the film itself does not exist. So is the premise enough to kind of warrant a crack fic? Do you think? I would say I I haven't read the specific fics you're talking about, but I've seen that there's 19 pages of Goncharov yeah. on Ao3. <laughs> And keep in mind that Goncharov, I only first saw it on the internet last Monday. Yeah. Like five days ago. So, like, and and the 19 pages was up by, like, three days ago. I so know. So keep in mind, like, none of these were written over a long extended period of time. <laughs> um, I think they're not necessarily crack fix because the non-existent potential premise of the movie is that it's like a Russian family living in Naples that have some has some kind of like mafia drama. Yeah. Which like that could be a serious premise for a movie. Like that's not inherently silly at all. True. So I think if you took that seriously and told a story of that nature, which I highly doubt is what's been done because <laughs> you would have had to write that story th- like three days after you first heard of a thing that doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. So I, I think it would be hard to tell a story like that, that seriously, that quickly. But hypothetically, let's say six months from now, a fic comes out that, you know, you spent a little bit more time on. I think that would not necessarily have to be crack fic. I think it would be crack fic if you took this name Goncharov and the basic concept, but then you changed the plot. So I don't know, so that it was like anachronistic to being set to being made in 1973. So like, if like, Putin is in it as an adult, even though, like, you know, that would be anachronistic. Or Mm -hmm. if you added, like, a self-awareness where Tumblr is getting referenced in a movie that's ostensibly set in the 70s, like, (laughs) that could become crack fic. But, like, hypothetically, you could make a very serious fan fiction. Um, And I say fan fiction loosely. Oh, yeah. That's such an interesting question as well. Is like, is it even fan fiction? Because obviously, you know, the film doesn't exist some people have made certain things up and so would these people be able to claim creative control over the things that they themselves have 
uh, made up. And obviously, you know, there's certain scenes that people seem to agree exist. Like there's a scene with anchovies, for instance. Um, but like, I'm not even aware of necessarily the same things that you're aware yeah. of. And it, and at any moment, like I could add something to the to the canon, and you know, like the canon yeah. is unstable because there is none. Yeah, and so so yeah, I think I I find that absolutely fascinating. Um, and I definitely want like I want like an academic paper to be written about this phenomenon and like how you know collective culture has come up with this thing and how it was a joke. But at the same time, as you say, it's a joke, but. The actual movie, well, the actual fake movie isn't that funny. It's actually a tragedy from what I understand. Like, they all die in the end or something. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, so I think Gontrov is a little bit an exception to the typical rules of of when, like, is something cracked yeah. or not. But I would say, like, there's also stories that might be unintentionally funny, mm-hmm. like, it could potentially be that the author did not mean for it to be funny, but the author was so bad that it ended up sounding funny. Yes. Um, and then there's the other thing with fan fiction is you don't always know the author's intentions. Mm-hmm. And on the internet, sometimes you might think someone is joking and they're being serious. And other times you think they're being serious and they're joking. Yeah. So, for example, there's a lot of debate over like Hogwarts School of Prayer and Miracles. Like, is that really like an evangelical Christian mom who wrote it? Or is it just like a great satire? <laughs> yeah. Um, I lean towards it's a great satire. I don't think it's actually sincere. But on the other hand, you can never say for certain on the internet. Yeah. That you know something is insincere either. Yeah, no, definitely. And I think and I think that's what makes the beauty of Crackfix in a way is that like to a certain extent it's hard, especially when it's like one of those very successful fix that are kind of like on the line of is it satire or is it serious? I think it's it because of the nature of the internet, it's very hard to know if that if that thing is to be taken seriously or not. And I think that's like the beauty of the internet as well, that we're able to not to just not tell and just go with it and and roll with it and and read it and and appreciate it for what it is. Yeah, I think I think um, Goncharov is like a great example of the improv idea of yes and, which is whatever the mm. person before you says, go along with it, never disagree or doubt, just go along with it and add something <laughs> so that the scene continues smoothly. And that's I think what we've really seen in Goncharov. And it's also it also fits quite neatly into Tumblr history. Like this is not the first time no. that Tumblr has like created something out of whole cloth, only for it to disappear like three weeks later when people get tired of it. Um, I would like to talk a little bit about like what is humor? Like what makes something funny and what are the basic elements of humor? And I put together a little document where I was thinking about like where does humor come from? Mm-hmm. And so this is kind of my opinion, but it is based on some things I've read because it's so hard to nail down a definition of like, what does something have to be in order to be funny? Um, so I wrote, I think you need to think about the basic elements of where humor comes from. So much of humor comes from setting up a certain expectation, whether it's for the end of a scene, a story, or even just a sentence, and then delivering something unexpected that somehow conceptually rhymes with what was expected. So um, if you deliver something totally unexpected where there's no kind of conceptual rhyme or reference to the original expectation, that's just being random and randomness is not funny. If you walk into a bank and ask to take out $100 and they just give you a pizza, 
like that's not funny because that's just random like there's no there's no conceptual connection between like a pizza and money it might be funny between two best friends who say it who whisper in each other's ear in a park because they have a pre-existing relationship but like it wouldn't be a funny Mm -hmm. enough concept to be on Seinfeld you know Mm -hmm. Um, what is funny is making an unexpected connection between two concepts that seem totally unconnected and that hold different social, different sort of emotional or societal connotations, especially in terms of what is sacred and what is taboo or what is serious and what is not serious. Mm-hmm. So um, one of my favorite shows, which unfortunately has been canceled, but I think it was like the funniest show I've seen in a long time, was called American Vandal and it was on um, Netflix. And so the premise of American Vandal is that it's, it looks and sounds like a true crime documentary show but it's actually completely fictional and scripted. And also instead of like crimes, like murder being investigated by police, it's basically like high school pranks and vandalism being investigated by two high school kids who want to make a documentary. Right. But they take the inve- the investigation incredibly seriously. So the whole conceptual rhyme here is that, you know, murder of a human being is illegal and we take it very seriously and a huge amount of resources are spent on investigating who is guilty and every little detail is taken incredibly seriously because they need to confirm who was where and at what time. And and there's also certain conventions that are used in true crime where anybody who watches a lot of true crime would recognize like the point of view interviews with certain people who are connected, the documentary style footage, the the graphics where they might they might show a graphic which is like a map and then show like a pathway from one place to the other to kind of help you visualize how something happened. And then in American Vandal, they apply that same set of kind of conventions and that amount of detail to investigate in the first season, like which kids spray painted a dick on a teacher's car. <laughs> right. So it's funny because it's like, that's not that serious. And yet they're still going through every step of the process, including some kid claims to have witnessed something but then they want to um, figure out whether this kid is a liar or ha- or is actually a credible witness. So to establish whether or not he's credible, they have to investigate whether or not he truly got a hand job from this popular girl at summer camp, which he claimed he had. But all the popular girl's friends are like, that never happened. She never would have done it. And then they go find these camp counselors to interview. And all of this is done just to establish whether this one kid is is, is credible, you know? Yeah. So um, the humor comes in the fact that, like, it's not serious, but they're treating it like it's very mm-hmm. serious. Yeah, it's the it's the gap between the two, I suppose, uh, that, that is funny. I think there's different kinds of comedy as well. You know, there's a comedy that is through gestures or, you know, like the Mr. Bean kind of comedy where he's not speaking, it's just situations situations and funny moments or comedy in terms of you know funny dialogue or funny situations or things like that so I think if you're trying to write comedy you need to think about what kind of comedy you want to write as well obviously I think for us as writers and especially in fan fiction but as writers in general it's a lot more easy to do um you know the comedy of dialogue based on di- on funny dialogue for instance or rather than like the gesture sort of comedy that you might see in a movie which is harder to it's not impossible I don't think but it's harder to do if you're just writing if you're doing it on the written uh, through a written medium so I think those are things that you need to think about and you know obviously as well what I was thinking what I was uh, mentioning earlier which is that humor is incredibly cultural and 
as as someone who writes in a different language but also has moved uh, quite a bit in terms of you know uh, different places and you know obviously I'm French but I live in Ireland now I also live in the US um humor is just so different depending on where you're from and it's not only a language thing it's a cultural thing like I cannot name one American TV series or movie that I have ever found funny I just, it doesn't click for me. I don't understand why Americans, uh, I don't understand why American humor is funny. It just doesn't click for me. I've, I've, I've tried watching The Office. I just, I don't get it. I, and it's, I think, and some people in Europe do, like, so The Office is incredibly popular in Europe as well. But for me, because of my culture and because of the way I was brought up and because of my references and stuff, I just don't find it funny. And I think, I think that's something that is in, that makes humor even harder to write. And personally, maybe why I don't try to write it is that you know the the funniest movies or films or or TV series that I've ever seen are French because for me, like that's the humor that speaks to me on a deep, deeper level. It's the it's the cultural references, it's the way people speak and stuff, which is completely different from um, other kinds of humor. And I think you know there are things that are in common if you're looking at, uh, for instance, sarcasm or dark dark humor or you know like kind of bentry humor as well. Of course, there's going to be things in common because. We, we, as humans, all have, like, especially in the Western world, kind of common cultural references. But I think deep down in general, it's so hard to write humor if you're writing humor for, for culture you're not from. Um, and it's so, so hard to find other things that are not your culture funny. It, personally, that's my opinion. I think definitely there's a huge cultural component. And I will agree that French humor is definitely different. Like, I've seen movies with subtitles, and my mom will functionally, like, she will not watch an American comedy movie, but she will watch French movies or Quebec movies with the subtitles because, like, she's noticed it's different, too. I find that, like, obviously there's some French humor that's not translatable because it would be based on, like, French language wordplay but there's also, I think, American humor. The, the amount of time that passes between the setup and the punchline is very short. So mm -hmm. the style of the joke has to be relatively simplistic because the payoff has to be pretty immediate. Whereas with French humor, I think of it as like dinner party humor. The setup can be situational and it can take quite like a long time yeah. passes between setting up the situation and the payoff for the joke. So when you watch a French comedy, like it might not be funny for the first 15 or 20 minutes. It's a little bit slower. and But then the jokes are like, you laugh for much longer mm -hmm. than you would because the joke is worth more, but you can't have as many jokes. You yeah. know, it's more of an investment of time. Um, and it's also not as much like like potty humor and like body part, like slapstick humor. Like um, American humor is very slapstick still. Mm -hmm. Like it will still be like, I can't stand movies where like the joke is that like a man was kicked in the groin and like yeah. that's supposed to be like I find that thoroughly unfunny it's just boring to me yeah but there's there's some humor that's almost untranslatable like for example there's humor in like Chinese culture word-based humor where the whole pun is that one Chinese character because their characters are meaning-based they're not each character does not represent a phonetic mm -hmm. sound yeah, it yeah. represents like a word or meaning and the, and the whole meaning and the whole joke is that like one character that has one meaning also like visually resembles another character with a completely different meaning. 
but it's like you can't really translate that joke into a language like English like you have to just accept that it doesn't translate and it's also like I think humor pushes up against cultural taboos but we also have taboos about like how far humor is allowed to cross the line of a a social taboo so I think like one piece of comedy for some people it's very funny and for other people they might think that went too far that's offensive yeah and then other people will think I feel like they chickened out they didn't go far enough Mm -hmm. so like an example for that is like in the show Curb Your Enthusiasm my dad and my brother and I all love it because we think it's really funny and part of what appeals to us is that we feel like Larry David go crosses the line and then keeps crossing like he really crosses the line of good taste intentionally whereas my mom is like i can't watch that show it makes me cringe (laughs) he takes it too far and we're like that's why it's funny i'll give you an example of a scene where you know some people would be like that's too far and other people are like that's why it's funny is that larry is at some special event fundraising dinner for like a holocaust memorial and um there's some issue with his shoes where he wore shoes that didn't fit or he wore somebody else's shoes and he wants to get rid of them and put on other shoes and in one moment he's in uh, a room of exhibition of belongings that belong to holocaust victims that were found at concentration camps and there's like a pile of shoes taken from like victims, and he just like steals a pair of them and puts them on and then when nobody sees and then later on he's talking to a survivor who's like in his 80s or 90s and the survivor is like nice shoes they look pretty old-fashioned and larry david's like yeah you know they're they're vintage and he's like those look those look like a 1940s style of shoe and it's clear that like he's the only one that's caught on and like larry can't possibly admit to what he's done because it's like (laughs) An unspeakably inappropriate right. thing to do. Right. But it's like, you know, a lot of people would find that, like, that's too far. That's that's cringe territory. Mm. Yeah, and I think also cringe, it's like, one thing that you, that you need to mention is that cringe can be funny. Like, cringe is, cringe humor is a kind of humor in its own. And I think I cannot watch this show because it is physically painful for me. But we all know how successful Fleabag was. And I cannot watch this show. Like, I I have tried and it physically pains me. It makes me cringe so much. It is so uncomfortable. I cannot watch this. But I know it was incredibly successful. And so if that's what you want to go into as well, like cringe humor can be a really good something really good to explore as well i mean she's been super successful with it um and 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 a lot of people a lot of people enjoy that show as well yeah and i i just want to say that there are ways to do cringe humor in writing and one example is like the writer um jonathan franzen he's he's another one of those people who it's not like his writing is devoted to comedy but he'll write scenes that are funny but at the same time you're almost like your face is burning you're wiping sweat off your body there's sweat pouring out of your hands yeah. and feet because it's it's so shameful and embarrassing and it's reawakening you to memories of the most embarrassing moments of your own life and you just want to die reading it because you feel like you've been personally called out mm-hmm. i definitely agree i think um it really it really depends what you're trying to achieve um and and who who your audience is as well which i think kind of comes back to my cultural point but you know you you have to think especially depending on what fandom you're in as well and 
what uh, what kind of story people are used to um, is something that you might want to consider. You know, like something that can be crack fake in Harry Potter may be completely normal in another fandom that maybe is more daring or maybe has like a different a different context or like the source material is also different. I mean, you could write something completely different uh, for, you know, if you were writing fanfic for Fleabag compared to what you're writing for Harry Potter. So I think it is also very much based on what fandom you're writing for and what what, what story you're um what, what story you're writing in what fandom and who your audience is per that fandom obviously what are what are the cultural norms of your fandoms as well is like something that you need to consider I agree completely and I would say also like the nature of what happens in canon will kind of dictate what by default the fandom won't be offended by because a piece of children's media typically does not contain really horrible dis- description of absolutely horrific acts and for that reason you might become a, you might be encountering fans who never choose to be exposed to anything re- that's like extremely morally wrong or disgusting whereas like when i've entered into fandom of like the Iliad like the original story is like full of war crimes and it's and it's horrifying and it's not a story for children and for that reason like people in in that fandom are a lot more chill about understanding that like just because you wrote a certain thing happening doesn't mean you endorse it in real Mm -hmm. life or like they understand that like the gap between cultural norms 3,000 years ago and cultural norms now whereas if you write for like I don't know a YA contemporary realistic novels fandom you're probably going to encounter a lot more people who, you know, would not willingly choose to interact with a piece of fiction that contained, like, violence. Yeah, no, 100%. And so one of the questions that was uh, brought up in the Anon that we had is, how do you write something funny which also has a plot at the same time? I don't have any experience with this because, personally, I write fics that have humour in them but the humor is not the primary point of the fit um so of course i think it's really hard to write something that has absolutely no humor in it because humor and jokes and you know happiness and stuff is part of life and so it is you know unless you're writing like a really really tragic um tragic piece it's hard to not especially if you're writing a long fic it's hard to not have any humor whatsoever but i think for me personally the stuff that i write is more you know it'll be a funny scene or like a funny line or something um but i don't really have an experience in writing comedy as a plot uh, but i think lani you're currently trying to do that so what what's your thoughts on that i think we need to go over once again the meaning of what a plot is because i feel like people say you know how can a comedy have a plot which to me is like an absurd question because any comedy movie or tv show you've seen has a plot Um, A plot does not mean that a story has to be full of epic world-saving actions or life and death stakes. That's not what a plot is. A plot is one or more characters want something, can't immediately have it, goes through a series of actions to try and get it. The first thing they try doesn't work. Maybe the second thing they try doesn't work. Eventually, something they try works, and then some kind of transformation happens by the end in their circumstances or in their maturity level or in relationships and so forth. But a plot can be really simple. It could be like, like I'll give you an example of like a comedy plot. Like 
a person needs to return a video to Blockbuster before it's late and they get a late fee. Problem number one is that they're stuck in traffic. Problem number two is that uh, right outside the store, they run into a really overly chatty person who wants to keep them talking for too long and they don't want to cut off the conversation early and be rude. And problem number three is that when they enter into the Blockbuster, they spot their like workplace enemy and they don't want that person to see that they're returning a movie that's really embarrassing. Okay, mm -hmm. that's a plot. A person wants something which is to avoid the late fee, a series of problems they have to go through, and then at the end, they return the movie and maybe they do end up with the late fee or they don't, but some kind of transformation will have mm -hmm. occurred. Maybe they've become friends with someone at Blockbuster. Maybe they'll have completely embarrassed themselves and like learned something about time management and so on. So I think if you're struggling, if you want to write a comedy and you're saying, I don't know how to write a plot, you need to get yourself like a graphic organizer of the kind um, given to students for story writing. And you need to fill in like, who is your mm -hmm. character? What is the thing they want? And what is the series of problems they go through before they either get it or learn that they didn't really need it or learn that they shouldn't have wanted it in the first place and so on. Yeah, no, that's true. Um, I completely agree. I think, you know, that blockbuster example is great because you could also make it into a tragedy if you wanted to. Like, let's say they meet their enemy and there's like a standoff and someone dies or something. Like that's quickly, you know, a plot, a plot is kind of neutral. There's so many great examples of people turning comedy into tragedy or tragedy into comedy that it is very clear that your plot is neutral it's what you make of it it's what you it's what you create with your plot so I think there's this um English film called I think it's like called death at a funeral or something uh which centers around a funeral and is incredibly funny another thing like Derry Girls is very funny and it centers on the troubles and, you know, a basically what is a civil war, which is not a funny topic. So I think it's not your plot. It's, it's not your plot itself that you need to think about. It's how do you put comedy on top of that story? And how do you, how do you make that story funny versus how do you make it tragic? I think that's where, that's where maybe you need to think about. Yeah. And I, w I would say, in fact, a plot is more important to a comedy than to other genres because quite often the funny stuff happens when a person who's very dead set on achieving a certain goal especially when it's a minor goal is constantly facing setbacks and barriers to them achieving their goal and the kind of single-mindedness and selfishness and their willingness to do anything to achieve that goal mm -hmm. like for example on, on, on Seinfeld the goal is always something really dumb like you know wanting to get to a certain restaurant to get the good table before they fill up and you're stuck with the table in like the stinky area next to the bathroom you know it's always something very petty but it's like the willingness of people to do whatever it takes to get that thing they want is where the humor comes from yeah and so in terms of branching out of just writing comedy and writing more like a funny scene or a funny moment or something what do you think are like the good elements of comedy what how do you build comedy that is such a specific question to each person i don't i don't know if that can be distilled into a formula like for me when i write humor it's kind of based on a combination of verisimilitude where i kind of try and replicate real life experiences that would be relatable and realistic but usually are too sort of petty to be described mm -hmm. and also overlap like dialogue based comedy where i like to write scenes where 
let's say more than three people are involved in a conversation, but people are talking over each other, not listening to each other, conducting parallel conversations with different degrees of seriousness at the same time. And that kind of creates some confusion and misdirection. But there can also be comedy where the person is by themselves the entire time. Like it's it's so unique to each story. Mm-hmm. It's It's very hard to explain what would you say yeah i agree that it's very much dependent to each each story and it's very much dependent on like your own sense of humor as a writer like the person that you are what you think is funny and also what what kind of writer you are just generally speaking and what kind of story you're 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 writing i think for me most of my comedy scenes and most of my funny scenes are usually usually they're one-liners it's like one line that I will find funny. Um, but also, I'm the one who finds it funny. I don't know that anybody else does. <laughs> um, so, but you know, I think there's a, there's a scene in Castles where, um, I think I've spoken about this before, but it's a scene in Castles where Kingsley is telling Harry, Ron, and Hermione that like there's no money anymore in the bank, um, in you know in the Wizarding World or whatever, and you know Kingsley makes the point that like no one seems to pay tax in the Wizarding World, and there's this line in narration that's like Harry had never thought that tax could be a thing, and that just makes me laugh like all the time every time I read it because it's like of course tax is a thing like you know, uh, but it's such a Harry thing to do as well in terms of the Harry Potter fandom to like not like that would because he never considers money and he yeah he doesn't seem to understand the value of money like he tries to buy a solid gold yeah. You know, like he has no sense of like of value. Yeah, so that's what like that. You know, that would be something that would be funny to me in that story. But first of all, I don't know that anybody else finds it funny. And secondly, I think it's a very, it's very based on context, right? It's ba- based on character. It's based on the story itself. Um, another scene that I've written that I kind of find funny is um for anyone who's read it in the Fulton Foot Manufacturing, the scene where Seamus has his first kiss and then the boy just like runs away uh in <laughs> in fear the other boy just runs away in fear um and Seamus just like sits there and like doesn't know what to do I think that's kind of funny as well but you know it's it's again based on the story itself based on the characters based on the situation so I think you know that's and and those are things I think you're never going to be able to ex- escape the fact that what you're writing in terms of comedy and is what makes you laugh as a person and it may not me like maybe no one else will find it funny but that's just what you have to like that's just what you have to accept it's just like your own sense of humor and and just like writing it um in in a scene but i think also comedy is essential and i will say this for i think a lot of our listeners especially you know if they read my stuff might be more interesting in writing angst uh, rather than comedy. I think, you know, that's kind of where I gravitate and where a lot of my audience gravitates. Um, But I think one thing that you need to think about if that's what you're writing is that you still need a little bit of levity. You will always need a little bit of a little bit of like a funny moment or a funny line or something, something a little bit lighter. Even if your piece is completely angsty, there, there is always room for something a bit lighter. And I find, 
I find I usually insert something a bit like a scene that's a bit lighter if I want to change the pacing or if I want to if I want to switch things up a little bit. I find that those scenes are very good in terms of lifting the mood, switching things and moving on to something else. And so that that can be a way to use comedy as well even if you're not writing comedy as like a central piece and even if your your piece is not comedy uh, to use that in your piece to uh, to achieve you know a little bit of levity and a little bit of like pacing change for instance yeah and I would also say in the same way that even a very dramatic and angsty story has to have a little bit of humor even a comedic story has to have a little bit of drama. Mm-hmm. It has to have a little bit of seriousness or a little bit of real emotion in the same way, just, just so that it's not kind of one note all the way through. Yeah, and I think um, I think that's also one thing that you might consider in terms of what we were talking at the start of the episode, which is crockfic. I find one thing that I will say is like crockfics don't tend to have that seriousness to them. Like... To me, comedy has like a little bit of, as you said, something a bit serious or a bit, a bit more intense, a bit of emotional, some, something at least. Uh, whereas crack fix are just completely crack and there's no, there's no seriousness to it. There's no emotional realm to it. It is just, it just exists to be crazy. I think that's, that's what the kind of line is as well. And that's something that you might want to consider if you want to avoid falling into the crack fit category yeah exactly okay i think we're gonna wrap up so do you have any recommendations for us this week yes so i have been loving the stories of an ao3 writer named viscaria fields who is writing in kind of the song of achilles iliad fandom Mm -hmm. particularly one which is really funny Mm -hmm. but also has moving parts called Sunset in Your Veins, which is um, a work in progress right now. And I get really excited when I see it's been updated. So I would recommend Viscaria Fields. Yeah, so this is Joe from the future now because we originally recorded this episode a few weeks ago and this was before the groundbreaking, heart-wrenching announcement that uh, My Dad Wrote a Porno is coming to an end. If you're not familiar with My Dad Wrote a Porno, it's a podcast which goes on the basis of this man who's in his 60s wrote a porn, uh, a pornographic novel, Erotica, um, and it is incredibly bad. When I mean incredibly bad, I mean think of the worst smut fanfiction you have ever read and then like make it worse than that and basically he sent it to his son for some reason no one really understands why he sent it to his son and his son started uh, reading it live on a podcast with his two best friends and this has been going on for six years now to be honest it is I discovered it during the pandemic and it is the thing that got me through the pandemic I'm not joking it is so good as it is hilarious i remember going on like my pandemic walks you know within my perimeter and just having to pretend i was on the phone because i was <laughs> i was laughing so much that i was like oh my god people are going to think i'm crazy you know it is it is the best the absolutely best podcast and funniest thing i have ever heard in my life and the chemistry between three hosts is incredible. The uh, the source material is so bad that it is absolutely hilarious. And 
yeah, I would definitely recommend it. Uh, there's six seasons. There's amazing uh, guest episodes as well. They had Emma Thompson on it. Uh, they had a whole bunch of like British and American celebrities. So uh, definitely, definitely give it a listen. And yeah, it's just, it's wild. Obviously, it does have some sort of sexual content. So if you're, if that's not your jam like don't go for it but i i think it's so bad that it's not really erotica <laughs> but if you're looking for instructions on how not to write smart i would definitely recommend um so yeah please 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 i'm recommending uh, my dad wrote a porno and you know if you're going through a tough time i would definitely highly recommend this um, so lani it was lovely where can we find you online i remain uh, um as ever copper slash dust on both tumblr and ao3 and i am pebbly send on tumblr and ao3 you can find the podcast uh, if you have any suggestions or comments or anything that you want to let us know you can find it at the fanficwriterscraft.tumblr.com bye everyone bye, bye.